You're listening to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. My name is Peter Fritz, and this show is all about mastering your time, your money, and the best time of your life, your midlife. Welcome back to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. Uh, today's session is session number 29, so almost hit the big 3-0. Um, pretty pleased with the way things are going. Hopefully you're enjoying the show as well. Before we kick off, I can't really continue without saying something about what's going on over there in the US. As, a, as an outsider here, many miles away down in the uh, bottom of Australia, I just can't believe the level of carnage and the insanity and the narcissism of the person that's leading the uh, the government over there. Uh, and I use the word leading very loosely. It must be as frustrating as hell for you people over there. I, um, I can't possibly understand how this kind of insanity can go on for so long unattended and just ignored by the powers that be. Many, many years ago here in Australia, we had a nationwide gun ban of particular types of uh, weapons, semi-automatic weapons to be to be precise. And I remember at the time I had a semi-automatic 22, which had been handed down by my dad. It was the rifle that he travelled right around Australia with. Uh, when he travelled through the outback, he used that to basically um, kill their dinner for the night, which was usually a couple of rabbits. And it had uh, quite a bit of sentimental value. It was the first rifle that I ever shot when I think I was about three years old. I've still got this photo of me. Uh, I think I was wearing a nappy still at the time in the Dargo High Plains in the Victorian High Country with the rifle perched between the handle of my dad's shovel, which he still has to this day, uh, firing at a target somewhere out there in the bush. And uh, it wasn't easy to hand that over, but given what had happened in Port Arthur and the carnage that had ensued there, uh, I didn't really have to think twice about it. And I not only handed that over, but also a bit of a family heirloom uh, shotgun and I think also a single barrel shotgun. Uh, oh, and no, it wasn't that. It was uh, was my little Daisy air rifle. And, uh, uh, you know, since then we haven't had a mass shooting in Australia. So it just seems, you know, obvious to Blind, Fle- Blind Freddy that... Um, outlawing semi-automatic and automatic weapons should be just a no-brainer over there in America. So I just wanted to say that for all of you listening over there in the US, and I know a large portion of the audience for the Midlife Mastery podcast and the Midlife Tribe website is based in the US, and I just want to offer my empathy and my sympathy for what it is that you guys are going through. I, it, it just boggles the mind, and uh, I hope it gets resolved soon. I really do. Anyway, uh, the subject for this week's episode uh, is entitled, Do You Treat Your Spouse Like a Customer? Maybe You Should. Now, I'm going to preface this with saying that I've been divorced twice and married three times, so I'm clearly not an expert on on, uh, lasting relationships. Mind you, though, uh, my second marriage lasted for 11 years, and my current one uh, is clocking up uh, eight years, uh, sorry, 10 years this year. We got married in 2008. So um, I guess if you call at 10 years or 11 years lasting, well, then I'm a reasonable expert, but I fully expect that this marriage is going to last until I croak. Uh, But that said, um, years of failure and course correction have shown me what seems to matter and what doesn't. So if nothing else, I figure I'm an expert on observing relationships. Now, let me give you a bit of background first. My first wedding took place on an island in the Whitsundays, an island called Hamilton Island, and both sides of the family were in attendance. It was fancy and it was expensive and ultimately it was pointless. I already had my doubts 
nuts about the whole thing and a cute little chapel up on a tropical hill wasn't going to change any of that. If anything, it kind of amplified my fears and, and I honestly almost ran out of the ceremony before I mumbled my very inauthentic vows. <clears throat> I remember standing there up on the altar looking down the aisle to the door thinking what would happen if I ran right now? Who would I disappoint? Who would I upset? And what kind of trouble would ensue if I actually had the balls to do that? Um, Sadly, I didn't have the balls to do that. And I stood there and I got married like a good boy. And then I spent the rest of the afternoon crying because I realized that I just ruined my life, basically. The second marriage was noisy, a lot more expensive, and it was a multi-day Macedonian affair with hundreds of people that I didn't know and would never see again. We had a Lamborghini, two Porsches, a Mercedes convertible and a pair of motorcycle cops escorting us to the venue. There was music and lots of cash and circular dancing over five hours of very sleep-deprived madness, capped off with a fancy hotel and a whirlwind US honeymoon that included LA, Vegas, New York and, and Hawaii. Both marriages seemed to me, now in hindsight, as much about the bride escaping from their home as their entry into the world of suburban bliss. Both had little to do with love or friendship or a commitment to each other's happiness, even though we kind of fumbled efforts to mimic those things. In hindsight, they each seemed kind of more like a performance. We were playing grown-ups and we wanted to put on a convincing show. And both weddings were such grand affairs that they set a baseline of expectation for the years that followed. Fancy cars, Tiffany jewellery and constant consumption became the indicators of success. Our arguments grew in frequency and intensity and the pressure to go one better became unsustainable. But despite these ructions, something far simpler led to my second marriage's demise. The first one was over in a year. I mean, I, I realised it was over the day it happened. It just uh, it took 12 months for the end to actually manifest. But the thing that um, really led to the demise of my second marriage was the loss of respect and courtesy and decency. Mutual resentment became the dominant mood and familiarity definitely bred contempt. We began to treat each other worse than the customers that we serve. I mean, we both worked in sales and, uh, you know, we treated our customers better than we treated each other. Our colleagues, our bosses and our clients got the best of us while we reserved the worst for each other. And now I was no angel either. I tried, certainly, but at the bitter end of it all, my bank account was bare and I had nothing further to give, either emotionally, physically or financially. And so now on to wife number three. This time, at long last, I think I've learned some valuable lessons. And 10 years on, almost, it'll be 10 years July this year, I believe those things that I've learned really do hold true. These days, I treat my wife with courtesy, I listen when she speaks, I judge less than I did before, I respect her opinion, even when it differs from mine. But most of all, I recognise now that every relationship is an exchange of value, and that in any exchange... You must give value before you receive it. And so here's the key. I didn't do it. I didn't create or help build a solid relationship with with my current wife by buying her a dozen roses on Valentine's Day. I didn't blow 30,000 bucks on solid gold trinkets. And I didn't try to impress her with elaborate birthday celebrations. What I did was I encouraged her. I complimented her. And I reminded her how amazing she looks in that dress. I told her that I couldn't see the crow's feet around her eyes and I let her know that I'm her number one fan and I did it as often as possible and I still do to this day. I share my problems with her and I look to her for advice when I think it's going to help and I listen to her and I act on her advice when I think it's going to help. And I I never fail to thank her for the things that she does for me. 
And because of all this, she does the same for me. And this is what a relationship is. It's not a fight for power. It's us together helping the other person to win. We hear about win-win relationships in business all the time. Many of us practice this on a daily basis. We seek to solve our clients' problems. We root for their success. We build bridges and we foster long-term collaboration. So why don't we do this with our spouse? Why is it so hard to be courteous and considerate and open? Why do we take each other for granted? And why can't we afford them the same respect and service that we do our customers? Why indeed? I read a long time ago that the most important decision that we ever make is who we share our life with. And so if this is true, and I believe it is, then it's really incumbent on us to serve them, to serve our partner, to listen to them and to dignify them as much as possible. For as long as I can remember, my lucky number has always been three. Now, this is my third marriage and the correlation is clear to me. There's no question about it. If I screw this one up, my lucky number will have to change, and I'm just not prepared to do that. So for the rest of my days, I'll be treating my wife better than any of my customers, because she is, quite simply, my customer for life. Anyway, that's all I have for you for this week. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, and to all of those people who wrote to me and uh, phoned me up and sent me messages about the uh, the crap that I've been dealing with over the last week or two, thank you very much. Uh, you really know who your friends are when, uh, when the shit hits the fan and uh, people who reach out and actually offer sympathy or at least ask how you're doing, um, they're your friends. You know who your friends are. Um, to close this off, if you haven't already gotten yourself a copy, a long time ago now, I must be about a year ago, I, write, I wrote a 62-page full-color landscape format ebook called 15 Ideas for Midlife Mastery. I had another read of it again today um, because I'm doing an interview with somebody tomorrow and I just wanted to kind of um, revisit it and refresh my memory about some of the stuff that I'd written. And um, the stuff that's in there still holds true today. I think it's, um, I think it's a solid publication. I think it has some real-world practical uh, advice in there that will help you to move towards reinventing your midlife so if you'd like a copy you can get a copy for free just go to midlifetribe.com slash 15 ideas if you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already done so i'd love it if you'd leave a review on itunes and a rating it helps others to find the show and uh, if you haven't already done so why not subscribe to midlifetribe.com we'd love to have you around You'll find the corresponding blog post for this episode over at midlifetribe.com slash 29. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.